from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Helping take the stress off newborn parents. You don't have to disturb the baby whenever you have to capture um, their temperature. How a unique product using farm-grown materials is helping ease parents' minds. After rounds and rounds of snow and rain, has California turned a corner when it comes to its snowpack? And starting to pull back the curtain on pricing in the cattle market. Hopefully, fingers crossed that it does make some evening of the playing field. We get reaction to a possible industry game changer at this year's Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show in New Orleans right now on AgDay. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Livestock producers are just days away from accessing new information on how cattle are bought and sold in this country. USDA announcing the Pilot Cattle Contracts Library is now up and running and information will start being posted on Monday. AgDay's Michelle Rook joins us from this year's Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show in New Orleans. And Michelle, this is something that industry leaders have been looking forward to. Clinton, cattle producers have been working for the last couple of years to try to fix what they have termed a broken cattle market. Now, it culminated during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, and since then they've been looking at various approaches to improve price discovery in the cash market, and they're hoping that's the net result of the Cattle Market Contract Library. Under the pilot program, USDA's Agricultural Marketing Service will collect and report aggregated information on contracts between packers and cattle producers for the purchase of fed cattle. It will include data on different types of contracts and contract terms, plus premiums or discounts, even financing. AMS will also report on the number of head of cattle purchased under these agreements. Cattle producers hope that will improve transparency in the market and help those who are selling on a negotiated basis to have more leverage. You know, that helps with the transparency. And I think, you know, we'll see how it plays out and if it does help. And hopefully, fingers crossed, that it does make some evening of the playing field. NCBA officials say it is early in their evaluation. However, with the large volume of data, Woodall says there is concern the data will mimic some of the shortfalls of the mandatory price reporting program. The amount of information that the mandatory price reporting provides is significant, but also overwhelming. So most producers don't use it because they don't know how to navigate through it. We need to make sure that's not replicated here in the cattle contract library. However, Woodall says they need to strike a balance between providing useful information and invading producers' privacy. The whole idea is to try to show producers what kind of contracts or marking arrangements exist in the cattle business. But we also need to make sure that we're protecting the confidentiality of the data. Woodall says they will have to make recommendations for changes in the program quickly as the pilot program only runs through September 30th. Cattle producers also continue to work on legislative solutions to improve their leverage in the negotiated cash cattle markets, including the Grassley-Fisher Bill, which is not supported by NCBA. All right, thanks, Michelle. Now, NCBA's executive committee also approving the organization's policy priorities for this year with three areas of focus. First, it wants to see animal health provisions under the current Farm Bill reauthorized and expanded funding for the National Animal Vaccine and Veterinary Countermeasures Bank to protect against foot and mouth disease. It wants protection and funding for EQIP, CSP, and other voluntary conservation programs 
and it will work to protect the cattle industry from what it sees as regulatory attacks under the waters of the United States, the Endangered Species Act, and emissions reporting. Another big concern for livestock producers right now, the availability and cost of hay. Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Services saying that in the state, hay supplies are near 50-year lows and prices are nearing record highs. As we told you yesterday, last year's drought and subsequent poor hay production resulted in lower supplies going into winter. USDA's Texas Hay Direct Report priced large round bales of good to premium Bermuda grass between $70 and $150 each, with prices for the same quality hay reaching $410 per ton in the panhandle. Now, most counties across the state are reporting decent quality bales above $100. Now, a forage expert with AgriLife Extension warns that reduced management due to higher input costs and overgrazing during the drought could cost producers this upcoming season. Now, the Northeast is taking a turn when it comes to frigid weather. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire joins us with more. And this cold air, it's all thanks to an area of uh, at least a strong cold front that is going to continue to work its way at least the, across the eastern half of the country here. And it's going to bring back those biting wind chills. In fact, sub-zero this morning across to much of the Great Lakes, Midwestern states. And by this afternoon, it's still going to feel like zero. But we zoom on into the northeast. Check out that. Some of the New England states there, it's going to feel like 40 to 50 below zero. And in some spots of Maine, they could be dancing around that 60 below mark by Saturday morning. It's all thanks to a dip in the polar vortex there. Uh, luckily, again, it's uh, kind of hugging of the north and east. And then as we head beyond this weekend into the start of next week, we'll be watching some subtle ridging going on across much of the lower 48, and that'll shut off any extreme cold that'll be short-lived here over the course of the next 24 to 48 hours. And as we take a look at the snowfall estimate all the way through the start of next week, well, unless you're in the Intermountain West, snow is going to be hard to come by. And Adam Helm of Wooden, Iowa, sharing this photo that gives us all the feels. Adam's son writing that he feels loved when he rides in the combine with dad. Adam says he does too. I'll mourn your forecast in just a few. Some good news about California's snowpack. It's reported to be the highest it's been in decades. The California Department of Water Resources conducting its second in-person snowpack survey of the year at Phillips Station near Lake Tahoe. Officials report finding 85.5 inches of snow depth there. That's 193% above average for that location for this time of year. Now, adding up the whole mountain range, the agency reports the snowpack is 206% of normal for this state. It's all thanks to those atmospheric rivers that traveled through the state from late December to the middle of last month, helping to bring the state out of extreme and exceptional drought conditions. Now, most of the state is now classified in moderate drought. Mexico is placing a temporary 50% tariff on its white corn exports. The Mexican government issuing a decree saying it would be in place until June 30th. The country attempting to control rising prices of the commodity. The decree saying, quote, in order to guarantee a sufficient supply, it is necessary to maintain national production in our country and ensure market conditions that allow stabilization of its price, end quote. Now, it says white corn makes up 89% of its grain production. Much of it is in the form of tortillas. It's reported that prices for tortillas shot up 19% last year. Now, you'll remember the U.S. and Mexico are currently in negotiations over the country's plan to ban imports of U.S. GMO corn 
by up to 40% by the year 2024. Up next, taking a closer look at cattle markets, recent price action, and where things may be headed in 2023. That's next in analysis. And later, artificial intelligence is pushing its way into our everyday lives. That includes the ag industry. That's story after weather. Ag Day is brought to you by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Closing Wheels provide quicker emergence and are more consistent in dry conditions than any other closing wheels. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. Following 2022's shrinking herd, low hay stocks, and drought, what should cattlemen and women expect for prices and demand in 2023? Michelle Rook joins us again from the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show in New Orleans with the folks at CattleFax. Joining us with market analysis, Kevin Good with CattleFax. And Kevin, of course, we have seen a supply shock hit the cattle market. How much tighter will this inventory get in 2023? Absolutely, you know, to, to, as a backdrop, obviously we've had four years of massive liquidation and in reality, our biggest supplies were just last year in 2022 because of huge cow slaughter and the fact that we've pulled so many feeder cattle supplies forward because of the drought that we've been in for two and a half years. We're just at the crux of getting into those tighter supplies. Cattle and feed numbers are down about a half a million head. Feeder cattle and calf supplies outside of feedlots are down three quarters of a million head. So as we go forward here in 2023, we would have beef production down almost 5%. And over the next two to three years, it could be down an additional 5%. So it could be a total of 10% or more reduction within the next three years. So what's that gonna mean for prices? Talk about your average price projections and will we hit records? Yeah, well, I think records are, are gonna be there pretty quickly. And obviously we need them though, as we think about higher input costs all the way across the board from feed, labor, interest rates, all the way across, you know, just with the inflation we're experiencing for the cattle producer, we do need higher prices to encourage some, some profitability and expansion. So as we just look at fed cattle values, last year we averaged 144, this year we're forecasted to average 158. You know, it, it's definitely in the right direction. If that's the case, and we get a little bit of relief in corn prices as we go through the second half of the year with new crop corn, it would suggest a yearling market eight weight for a base, 195. Calf value is about two and a quarter for an annual average for the U.S. So obviously in the right direction, not quite to the old records we had in 14, but within the next couple of years, we probably get there or surpass them. And does it have a long tail? Yeah, it will from a supply standpoint. If we just think about it today, you know, we've had four years of liquidation, right. but we still have a on-feed population that's about 40% heifers, which means that you're gonna liquidate through the bulk of this year, looking at the heifer base. The weather patterns, yes, they're changing, but there, we still are dry in enough areas that we are probably gonna liquidate again for at least this, this year for another 12 months. So if you liquidate for another 12 months, you get a smaller calf crop, not only in 23, but also in 24. Our tightest supplies could be all the way out there in 26. Now we just got to get Mother Nature to cooperate in a little bit lower input costs, then, right? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, that is Kevin Good with Cattle Facts, and we'll have more Ag Day coming up. Ag Day is brought to you by Golden Harvest. Broad adaptability, high yield potential, solid agronomics, great late season health. The foundations of a successful season start with Golden Harvest game changing corn. Find your hybrid at GameChangingCorn.com.
Peter Alton Sandra Wimmer joining us here taking a look at our national forecast and when we're talking about cold this is more than just cold this feels like Arctic air to me. Yeah, this definitely is. And again, it's going to confine itself to the north and east. We're talking 40 to 50 below zero for that wind chill factor. And in fact, some locations up along the northeast by tomorrow morning could be flirting with near 60 to 65 below zero. And if you're not a fan of this extreme cold across the northeast uh, this weekend, well, luckily we are in store for more than likely more above average temperatures returning here as we walk you through February. Meanwhile, some below average temperatures expected out west and again toss of the ball there across the heartland of the country across the plain states. It'll all be uh, decided based on our jet stream where we get those ridges is where we'll see those above average temperatures and where we see those troughs coming in and even a few little pieces of the polar vortex potentially. That is where we'll still have to continue to watch out for continued pockets of cold throughout the month of February. But as far as long term cold goes throughout this month, there really no continuous sign of that really across much of the lower 48 as far as those frigid temperatures are concerned. Walking through the forecast uh, throughout this uh, Friday, we continue to see that moisture is finally starting to shut off there across the uh, deep south. And as we go throughout this weekend, we'll be watching a few systems coming on shore out uh, west that'll eventually do a few waves of energy, eventually working their way through the Ohio and Tennessee River Valleys. We'll have to watch out for some rain showers at times across again parts of the Midwest Great Lakes states, even down across the uh, deep south maybe even a little bit of snow by the time we head towards the mid portion of next week. Let's take a look at the drought monitor here just were released here and we continue to watch the uh, eastern half here of Michigan uh, where we continue to see a moderate team in some pockets of a severe drought starting to take a shape here and that's really all thanks to the lack of snow. Meanwhile, the central plains really needs the moisture and unfortunately it doesn't look like we're going to be seeing any of that anytime soon across the heartland of the country. Temperatures this afternoon, single digits up across the Great Lakes. Meanwhile, looking at 40s and 60s for the rest of the country. That's a look across the country. Now let's take a look at your Ag Day Select Cities. Going over to Wilmington, New York. Cold. Check out those wind chills. 40s to 20s below zero and a high temperature sub-zero. Going over to Dresden, Tennessee. Sunny, high 34 degrees. And going to Duluth, Minnesota. Cold and breezy. High at the donut. Artificial intelligence technology is a growing industry in ag, and while it can often do the work that humans do faster, it also means some people could be out of a job. But as Vanessa Yurkovic explains, others say the technology will actually create a large number of employment opportunities. By 2025, the World Economic Forum predicts that 85 million jobs will be displaced by automation and technology, but it will also create 97 million new roles. We've seen it before in the auto industry. While the auto worker may be displaced because they are not as good at welding or as painting as the robot, there's probably 35 people that have to be involved in the creation and maintenance of that device that welds better than a person. And that's what happened at Carbon Robotics. Former auto workers now building an AI laser weeder in Detroit for farms. It's a direct result of the history of auto manufacturing that we have that skill set available to us all in one place. The laser weeder, still operated by a human but run by AI, can do the work of between 40 to 80 people, says the CEO, filling roles that are hard to find humans for. 
labor is harder and harder to find every year, particularly farm labor. And an AI system like ours that can do that job automatically saves a lot of time, money, effort. This music is composed solely by artificial intelligence called Ava. It even has an album you can stream. AI music is more affordable. There's no producer, composer, or artist to pay. It's taken away opportunity from songwriters, producers, and artists, right? So the people are trying to feed them for their families. Something similar is happening in the art world, leading artists Kara Ortiz and two others to file a class action lawsuit against three AI art companies for copyright infringement. Ortiz claims they're using her name and art to train the AI. It's feast and famine for most of us. We go job by job. And what happens when there's a little bit less work to go around? Stability AI, one of the companies named, says the suit misunderstands how AI and copyright law work, adding it intends to, quote, defend ourselves and the vast potential generative AI has to expand the creative power of humanity. The two other companies did not respond. I never thought we'd be here. It's like straight out of a sci-fi movie. My father tried to teach me human emotions. There's a wonderful scene in the movie, I, Robot. Detective Spooner hates robots. He says, can a robot write a symphony? Can a robot turn a canvas into a beautiful masterpiece? And the robot looks up and he goes, can you? Every one of us is not Mozart or Rembrandt or Picasso or choose your super famous, amazing artist or artisan. We're just people. This is not coming to kill us. It's coming to help us. All right. Thanks, Vanessa. Up next, adding technology to the clothes you wear. We're off to Louisiana, where researchers are looking at ways to make things like cotton and clothing more intelligent. I'll explain today in the country. The Ag Innovation Forum will bring new technology, knowledge, and opportunity to agriculture on February 8th at the downtown Marriott in Kansas City. Register today at agbizkc.com forward slash upcoming dash events. In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need, now on seed from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. We know raising a newborn child can be stressful for the parents. LSU Ag Center reporter Craig Gotro tells us how a researcher in the Department of Textiles, Apparel Design, and Merchandising at LSU is working on a way to relieve some of that stress. One of the first pieces of clothing a newborn receives is a knit cap to keep warm. Sebae Shah is developing a knit hat that will change colors based on the temperature of the infant. This hat would allow the parents to monitor the child's temperature more easily. So one advantage of this is that because it's built into the baby's hat, it will not be invasive, so you don't have to disturb the baby whenever you have to capture um, their temperature. Shah's prototype is purple around the perimeter at a low temperature and turns to beige when temperatures are higher. And it doesn't require any power. Because it's a functional yarn, it doesn't include any of the electrician or circuits that has to be built into the product. Shah's inspiration for the hat came from her experience as a new mother. I feel like um, there's a need for this type of product to help um, ease mom's pressure a little bit, to help them transit to the new culture, help them become a mom. The hats integrate thermochromic technology in the yarn and are made using flat back knitting machines. 
The computer-controlled machines can be used to customize size and patterns down to very small details. Those technologies are not only designed for medical purposes, so we are actually um, including or introducing those technologies in our classes so that students can actually use those technologies to do creative designs. Xia is working on a design that will change color based on a temperature range that would indicate a low-grade fever in infants. With the LSU Ag Center, this is Craig Gotro reporting. All right, thanks, Craig. And that's all the time we have this morning. Sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day.